How did we eat before convenience foods and value-added foods available from food manufacturers and the grocery store and even takeout? We ate with little waste and lots of imagination. We talked to Mary Bryant Schrader about her new book, The Modern Pioneer Cookbook. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Mary Bryant Schrader. She's the author of the new book, The Modern Pioneer Cookbook, Nourishing Recipes from a Traditional Foods Kitchen. She's the founder of Mary's Nest website and Mary's Nest YouTube channel. Welcome, Mary. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. I am so excited for us to talk for a little while about what made you begin Mary's Nest. It has so much great information and I I just think, oh, somebody did this. You know, it's really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm 65 years old and I'm an older mom. My son was born when I was in my 40s. And so there I was, 60 years old, and he's heading off to college, and I'm now an empty nester. And so I'm thinking, well, what should I do? Well, I had been cook- teaching cooking in my kitchen, teaching how to make traditional foods just right here in my kitchen for about 20 years. And my husband and my son said, gee, you know, you should, you're good at this. You should put your cooking classes online, and you can put them on YouTube. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I can really reach, I'm very passionate about, you know, keeping these traditional food skills alive. And so I said, well, this is fantastic. I can reach even more people than just those, you know, in my immediate community. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to figure out, you know, how to make, how to do it, how to do do, make a YouTube channel. And my husband was very sweet to help me. And he would set up the camera in my kitchen across from my kitchen island. Those who have seen my YouTube channel will be very familiar. It is my kitchen. People often ask me that, you know, is it a studio? No, it's my actual kitchen. And I have to clean off my kitchen island, you know, (laughs) and my husband films me and just puts the mic on me and then I just start teaching and it's kind of funny because I didn't quite know you know when you're cooking sometimes there's a break and you have to stop and I and you will laugh when I tell you this but I my husband would be in the other room monitoring me on the laptop to make Mm -hmm. sure you know, I was in the frame and doing everything correctly. So I'm walking along and then I realized, okay, this needs to go in the oven now. Well, I don't want to keep filming. And I felt so funny, like I was on some TV show or something because I would yell into the other room, cut. (laughs) And my husband would stop filming me, you know, I was like, okay, I got to put it in the oven now, you know? And we just, you know, we just went along. I would, you know, put these, uh, it's funny because I initially thought, well, I'll just do 15 videos of my basic cooking class. Uh-huh. And 
it was just popular and people wanted more. So I just kept going. I think I've got about 600 videos now, oh, five years later. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I have been spending my time um, looking at your um, sourdough um, mm -hmm. videos because I am a failure at sourdough. I'm, you know, I grew up in a, a household, especially with my grandmother, where everything was made from scratch. We, you know, you make your own mayonnaise. She made her own mustard. She made her own ketchup. She, you know, all the sorts of things that you do on a regular basis. That was something that I saw in my grandmother's kitchen. And we used to have vats. You know, I still have vats actually <laughs> of, of vinegar going because mm -hmm. um, you have all the wine vinegars and there's a white wine and a red wine. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's a champagne vinegar going and then there's the apple scrap vinegar and there's all this, you know, stuff that's yes. making vinegar everywhere. And so I'm very, I'm very attached to your way of thinking because it reminds me so very much of my grandmother and my mother to a lesser extent, because she was trying to be a modern woman. Yes. And, um, <laughs> so, you know, she made that transition to cans and jars and things that mm -hmm. um, you could buy at the grocery store. But um, my grandmother made sure that I was in her kitchen and that I was doing things with her. So uh, it really resonates with me, but I am an absolute failure at sourdough. And I have come to the conclusion, number one, that I feel like the sourdough is almost a pet <laughs> that you have to keep fed and watered and whatever. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. So that's part of it. But the other part of it, I think, is that the natural yeasts in the air in, in New Orleans, where I live, simply rot food. They don't, oh, um, you know, they don't really ferment anything mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. or, or the fermentation is so quick that it turns to rot before mm -hmm. you can use the fermentation process. Mm -hmm. And so that's maybe why we don't have cheese here. You know, mm -hmm. I think the French came when they founded New Orleans and they tried to make cheese and they talked all about how it was such a failure. All the things that they normally did for cheese just couldn't work. And I don't know if it's the temperature. I don't know if it's the humidity, whatever it is, it, it's, it has made me hate sourdough. <laughs> so I, when I, when I um, started to read modern pioneer cookbook, I went straight to the, the sourdough section and I thought, oh, you talked about using rye flour instead of wheat flour. And I said, I can do that. I've never tried it that way. Mm -hmm. And so the first day it looked really great <laughs> by day three. I mean, day three, I'm not talking about two weeks later, by day three, it was stinky black mess. Oh, and I don't know what I'm doing. I used, I used filtered water. So I wasn't killing everything with chlorine in the water. So tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Ask me questions. And then, then it will show us how really your book is a, a big guide to being able to cook this way. Oh yeah. I understand completely. And this is why I wrote the modern pioneer cookbook 
because so many of these homemade foods are, and I often say this when I'm making my videos and writing my blog posts, they're persnickety. Mm -hmm. And so much of where you live, what the conditions in your kitchen are, what the conditions of the weather outside are, all of this plays such a significant role. You've really hit the nail on the head. And it's a matter of width. And I, I would say the most challenging areas are sourdough and other types of fermentation. These are, you know, like veg, primarily vegetable ferments. These are where people really start to get very frustrated. And I'm so sympathetic to that. And with sourdough, you know, and you have the book so you can read all my little cook's notes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I'm a firm believer that, yes, you, you got to start with rye flour. Uh, other flours uh, do make it a little, you can do it, but it does make it a little more challenging. So I always tell people, if you can source some rye flour, that's step one. Then step two, generally, we like to go like every 12 hours for a feeding, but then sometimes that's that's too far apart and the bad bacteria can start to take over. So you've got to pump it up to every eight hours. And then if you're still running into trouble, then you need to start experimenting using the water that um, you may have boiled some potatoes in because potatoes contain a certain type of starch that uh, will help the good yeast proliferate. They love to gobble it up. Uh -huh. The same with pasta water. That's one option. And then you kind of just got to move through the various steps that I share. Like, And then often what I tell people who come to me and say, I am so frustrated, I cannot get this going. I don't know what the heck to do. Then I say, there's nothing wrong with taking a little pinch of yeast, packaged yeast that you buy at the grocery store, throwing that in there giving it a good spin, the more that you aerate your starter as well, you got to, you know, and especially in your situation, you, you do have a difficult situation because when you live in a very damp or humid climate, sourdough can be challenging. And that's why you hear about it, you know, in San Francisco near the ocean, they're getting the ocean breezes. It's so everything's kind of blowing through and they get the salted water uh, from the ocean breezes. And then when they went up to Alaska with the, uh, the prospectors, they had different conditions there, but conditions that were suitable for sourdough. And people will often say, I don't understand this. I moved from XYZ to Austin, Texas, and my sourdough is different. And of course, it's like you said, the yeasts in the air where we all live are different and they create different baked products. But I, so I always say, go ahead, throw a pinch of the packaged yeast in, aerate the heck out of that every eight hours, keep feeding it. And is it a cheat? Yes. But eventually it's going to start because you're giving it that little boost to get over, like you said, becoming really gross and potentially moldy and whatnot. Black water on top is always not the end of the world. That's often what they call hooch. And it just means your sour, your, your starter is hungry. Mm -hmm. If you mix that dark water in, you're going to have a very sour sourdough. If you pour that off and just kind of start again with taking out some of your discard, you know, just removing some and then refeeding your starter and going from there, you'll have a more mild sourdough starter. 
But yes, there are certain climates that you have, like you said, it's like a pet. I mean, I, I sometimes even say like a toddler because <laughs> the, the intensity of care it can become so overwhelming for people, especially if you're not baking every day. And I basically, in the summer here, it's over 100 degrees. I live in central Texas. Mine goes to sleep in the fridge you know, because I'm not turning on the oven. Yeah, right. But just got to really aerate it, use a little packaged yeast and see where, where you go. If you find at that point, you're really not having success. Even after you gave it a little pinch of the packaged yeast to try to help it pro proliferate and get the good bacteria so strong that the bad bacteria just has nowhere to go and has to go packing, so to speak, as I say. Then I often share with my friends a little tip that my, uh, and this is not a true sourdough. You know, I, I have to be, always be a little careful because true bakers will say, oh my gosh, what is this lady doing and talking about? This is not legitimate. But I'm always here to help people to be somewhat successful at making foods homemade. This is a journey. You know, this can take, I, I tell people, don't get upset. Take one step at a time. Start with a roast chicken if you've never cooked before and slowly move through the steps. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I suggest to people is I, I have a girlfriend. She has nine children. She's oh. not... She's not taking care of the sourdough starter. That's just not going to happen. And so she shared with me what she did. And I just thought it was so cute. And I have a video on my YouTube channel, Mary's Nest, same name as my uh, webpage. And I call it the late, and no, no mother with nine children is lazy, but I call it sort of like, oh no, the busy, that's right, because she's busy, the busy mother's uh, sourdough. And what I recommend is that you put your flour in your water, which is going to start with rye, in a, some kind of food safe container that you can refrigerate so that it's got a nice tight lid on it. And you put in whatever measurement of flour and water you want that will fit in your container, allowing for some expansion. And then you put in a quarter teaspoon of packaged yeast. Mm -hmm. And you mix it all up, you let it get a little bubbly, which it's going to do because of the packaged yeast, and then you put it in your refrigerator. And whenever you're ready to bake bread, you pull some of that out, and you knead it doing whatever you do, whatever you're making, and you let it rise, and then you bake it. Yes, it's not, I, I will confess, this is not legitimate sourdough. But the but that's your first batch. So it's got that quarter teaspoon of yeast and you feel happy. You're like, whoa, I made bread. <laughs> uh -huh. And then you go ahead and you in your food safe container, you do leave a little chunk of the wet dough that you didn't use to bake your bread. Then you go ahead and you feed what's in there. Now, remember, there's yeast that's been proliferating from that little bit of quarter teaspoon of packaged yeast and then you feed it you leave it at room temperature for a little while then you refrigerate it and you just go through this routine little by little by little and my girlfriend's reasoning was well over time it's picking up enough yeast from my kitchen I'm calling it sourdough and I'm calling it a day <laughs> 
And, and eventually it probably is sourdough. And, and eventually it is, you know, but the fact that you're putting it in the refrigerator, given your climate right. is protecting it from getting all of, you know, uh, the pictures people will send me, God bless them. Uh, I mean, cause I, we have a Facebook group and say, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it, it's Mary's nest. And then uh, that's like the main page. And then we have like a little group where people can post and put pictures and whatnot. And they're so frustrated. And that's the one thing. And that's really why I wanted to start my YouTube channel is that was the one thing I did not want people to become. I didn't want them to become frustrated because when you get frustrated, you throw in the towel and then you're buying the the white bread in the plastic sleeve from the grocery right. store, right. which really is void of nutrition, you know? And so I, I always say, you don't need to be, we're not professional bakers. We don't need to be perfect. We just need to do the best that we can do. Can you throw a little sugar in your sourdough starter? Sure, why not? Would the sourdough baker at the bakery who's up at two o'clock in the morning be like horrified? Yes, but we're home. I always tell everybody we're home bakers. We're not professionals. We don't need the bread to look identical the way it did yesterday or last week, the way we expect from a bakery. So add a little potato water, add a little sugar, add a little this, add a little, just keep experimenting until you can get your sourdough starter functioning. And if you find after using all of the tips that I share in the cook's notes in the book, the Modern Pioneer Cookbook, uh, I say, okay, now, you know what? I have an easy sandwich bread for you. <laughs> it's better than what you can buy at the grocery store. It's not the end of the world. You're going to have success. And don't, don't worry. You don't need to do everything. I always tell people, do what you can do in the climate in which you live. Because I will have people who live outside of the United States in very tropical climates, more tropical than anything we have here in the United States, even Florida. And they'll say, gee, I'd, I'm having a little trouble uh, making sauerkraut. And I find this adorable, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're in a country that sauerkraut is so not a traditional food. You right, know? right, right. And they'll, and they'll say, I, don't I can't seem to get it like going. And then I'll say, what is, the, what is the temperature where you live? And they'll say 89 degrees in my house. And I'll be like, that's the problem. Sauerkraut, like 68 Fahrenheit to 72 Fahrenheit. And they're like, oh, okay. already. Well, what can I make instead? Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah. That, that's the big thing. Just you, you make what you can where you live. And if sourdough's not going to cut it, that's why I have uh, recipes in the book because people often also too generally turn to traditional foods to improve their digestion because they've, kind of destroyed their good bacteria in their gut and they have trouble digesting food and they want to get back to eating a more traditional diet. So when sourdough just doesn't work for people, that's why I show in the book how to soak and sprout grain and make your own sprouted flour because once you start baking with sprouted flour and you can use packaged yeast, it's no problem at all, it's going to be much more digestible because what grain contains, as I discuss in the book, something called phytic acid. Now, phytic acid has a good side and a bad side. It's an antioxidant, but it's also an anti-nutrient. And 
what we found is that if you can deactivate some of the phytic acid, some of that anti-nutrient, it's not going to strip nutrients out of your body and you're going to be better able to digest it and absorb the nutrients that the whole grain has to offer. But you got to deactivate a little bit of it to feel better and have your digestion feel better. So if you soak and sprout the grain, and I know people are like, oh my gosh, I'm really a pioneer now. I'm soaking and sprouting grain and I'm like <laughs> getting the grain mill and I'm grinding my own flour. And I always tell people it's a journey, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't do this tomorrow, you know? <laughs> well, and also it's also sometimes a, a challenge because of time. If you, okay. if you work outside of the home and then you're coming in and then you still have children to deal with and homework and just all of those things. It, it is a challenge to, to try to do everything that our, our mother's 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 used to do. I mean, it really is very hard, but this forgiveness that you allow everyone to forgive themselves, it comes through in your book so oh, charmingly because Nobody does that. Everyone talks about now, this is the way to do it. And this is how you find perfection and all of that. And we are a very large country geographically. And the changes in latitude and longitude make such a difference to the climate that you're in and what's available and what can be done. And you say, use, use, power tools, you know, <laughs> use all of these things that are available and you give people permission to do it. So you don't have to do every little step by hand. And so if you want to use a mortar and pestle to do something great, but if you don't, it doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> and, and, and that really, I think comes through in the book very, very well and made, I mean, I actually, as I was reading it, I started out just, I'm just going to read the book. Because I wanted to be obviously prepared to talk to you and everything. But I also made recipes from the book and did other things. But the first read, I was so relaxed by the time I finished it. It was oh like, God. oh my gosh, you can forgive yourself. You, <laughs> you don't have to be perfect. You are still doing a good job and the food can still taste wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an important element that this is not a competition. This mm -hmm. is something that you should take pleasure in so mm -hmm. that the act of actually cooking or preparing food is part of the pleasure of eating and we should enjoy it all. It's not just about the product. And I have to thank you for doing that because I really believe that it's one of our sort of American faults is that we try to do everything perfectly and everyone, you know, becomes this, this judge of not only themselves, but other people in terms of what's right or good or whatever. I think it's wonderful <laughs> because, you know, I think that we all should try to eat healthily, but we have to at least put our first toe in the water in a, in a way that we can get success so that we can be encouraged to add something new and we don't have to like throw everything away and start over. Let's just start with the first thing. And then people can read your book and say this, because everyone's going to have a different 
reaction to each type of cooking or each type of method that you talk about. So they should pick the one that seems the most compatible to the way they're already cooking or thinking, and then they can expand from there. You ha you have just covered the whole waterfront though. <laughs> you really have. Did you always cook this way from day one? Did you did you learn from your mother who cooked this way or grandmother? How did how did you arrive at this kind of place of wisdom? Oh, you're very kind to say that. Uh, yes, you really hit the nail on the head with what you're saying that. To me, the journey is what it's all about. And I never want people to get stressed or feel upset or feel that they're failing. I often recount a story where I had made some rye bread and I wasn't 100% happy with it. It was kind of dense. And my girlfriend came over and she ate half the loaf and she's like, this is delicious. You made homemade <laughs> bread? I love it. I love these dense, chewy breads. And I just was like, God, yes. I'm not happy with it. But she, but that's often the reaction you get. People are like, you made bread? Yeah. But my mom taught me how to make most of these things. My mother is 98. She's still mm. going strong, still eating butter. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she was very, very traditional. And she felt it was very important. And I find this very cute because I'm a, I'm 65 years old and I'm of the age group. You know, we went through the women's movement and liberation. Yeah, I'm 73. So, you know, yeah, you I know. know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and but to my mother, she was like, all right, well, I need to teach you the gentle arts of domesticity. Yeah. <laughs> But she taught me how to cook and she made every, like your grandmother, she made everything homemade and it, it, but she had a rhythm, you know, she uh -huh. just had a rhythm to it. And if the, you know, my grandmother lived across the street, she had an apple tree, you know, if the apples didn't do great and, and she wasn't making homemade applesauce, it wasn't a sin to go and buy some, you know, right, she, right. my mother had this very relaxed way and, and a real rhythm in the kitchen. You did what you could. You didn't stress. You know, my mother was cute because she'd be always like, what is this today? People stress, stress, stress. Oh, for heaven's sakes, God's in his heavens all right with the world. You know what she would say? And she would just, and she very much had very much the uh, Northern Italian ethnicity. And so she was making, you know, the polenta and the things like that and homemade. And also, you know, her, whatever condiments we used, you know, were relatively limited uh -huh. and she would not, I mean, today the selection in the grocery store is oh, phenomenal. Right. Yeah. But my mother didn't have that way of, you know, she didn't need to have a whole variety of condiments and she wasn't a big mayonnaise person. So we didn't have a lot of mayonnaise, you know, I mean, she would make it homemade occasionally, but it was more viewed as like a treat. But she had her ketchup, she had her mustards, and that was pretty much it. And she would always have some, like a jardiniera fermenting, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. the pickled Italian vegetables, things like that. But we ate a very basic, very simple diet. Uh -huh. We had roast chicken on Sunday, liver on Wednesday, fish on Friday. We're Catholic, you know, and, and she had this rhythm and she had these recipes down pat and she didn't stress about it. And if something went wrong in the kitchen, she would just put up some bread and cheese on the table <laughs> right. and maybe she had some salami and she'd call it a day, you know, 
And she wasn't making the salami homemade. You know, she was buying that at the right. little Italian grocery store in Mamaronic, New York, you know? <laughs> and, you know, where we would walk in and they'd be like, hey, Gloria! <laughs> and, you know, all these different Italian foods. And so I was raised with this very relaxed rhythm of you cook pretty much a very similar, you know, you have this laid out, that you pretty much know what you're going to make and that the roast chicken on Sunday, Monday was going to be whatever chicken she had left to repurpose or a soup, something like that. Tuesday would be some simple meal. Of course, the liver on Wednesday, Thursday would be again, you know, my mother, you know, you always hear the term and you being of Italian descent, you probably are familiar with it too, cucina povera. Uh -huh. You know, the, it, it, it technically, I guess it means like, if you were really translating it, maybe like poor kitchen, but there's nothing poor about it. It's just peasant cooking. It's just simple cooking. Right. And my mother never wasted anything. I mean, if she saw something going into the garbage, she'd be like, what, what do you, you know, when, as a grown woman, when she would be here in my kitchen, she'd be like, what are you throwing out? You make a meal out of that. And it was funny because I was, when I was writing the book, I couldn't remember garbage day. Uh -huh. And I said to my mom, with the garbage I because I was an only child and my mother also like me having my son later in life my mother had me later in life because she got married later and I said what is garbage what do we do with the garbage she's anything out <laughs> <laughs> have garbage pickup like you all have today if we wanted to throw something out your father had to take it to the dump and then he had to pay yeah we yeah throw anything out and she would just, you know, she had clean out the crisper meals, clean out the fridge meal, you know, whatever. And she'd make a soup or, you know, throw something in the oven. And so this was the rhythm that she taught me. And she taught me, you know, how to do basic cooking, how to make sourdough bread. But she also used yeast. And that's why in the cookbook, I say, start with a quick bread. My mother made quick breads and my mother made sandwich bread and she made sourdough. It really was what was convenient for her and what was in her schedule. Mm -hmm. And it was really funny because when my father retired, I said, oh, mom, how is it? You know, now you and dad are retired. She said, your father's retired. I'm not retired. I'm still running a household. You know? <laughs> right. And, and that's what I always want people to know, that you can draw, you know, I, I use it, you hear people always talk in multiple streams of income, multiple streams, I think multiple streams of food, you know, <laughs> what, what can you make at a particular time in your life, in, in your schedule, you know, young mother, I, and I really, this really came home and resonated to me, everything my mother had taught me about home cooking and about being flexible and about forgiving yourself and about the fact that she would always say, trust me, if it's homemade, even if you think it's not perfect, uh, people are going to come in and say, oh, you roasted a chicken. Oh my gosh, you made cookies. You know, they're just going to be happy that yes. you cook yes. for them. That's right. And, That's right. And I, and I remember I was in, this is very long, long before Facebook. Remember when they just had Yahoo? <clears throat> right. <laughs> and there was a Yahoo group that I was in and it was all about this traditional foods. Everybody back then was talking about the book Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. Yes. But she, she really, and when I showed my mother that book, she's like, 
oh yes, finally I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, great. Uh, eat your butter, you know. <laughs> but everybody in the the group was they. I got to tell you, they scared me a little. They were zealots. Oh yeah, it, and, zealots. And, yeah, and, those and, the ones and, you have to be afraid of for sure. Yeah, and and there was no, you know, what do you mean you can't get your sourdough starter going? You know, it was kind of like that. And one day there was a, you know, you could post little things on that, very much like Facebook. And this woman had written this long paragraph, no periods, no capitals, no, par- no just a thing. And as you're reading it, you feel, and she was a young mother and she was talking about her children. You felt she was crying oh. and she was like, I can't handle this. I, I just want to go through the, you know, the fast food drive through and da, 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 going on and on and on and on. And all of these people, God love them. The zealots were like, well, you know, you really need to do this, that, and the other thing. And they weren't helping. And I put up a comment and I said, oh my gosh, you are doing an amazing job. Just start with a roast chicken and don't worry about anything else. Right. Don't worry about sourdough. Don't even worry about baking bread. Don't worry about from, don't worry about any of this. Get a chicken, put it in the roasting pan, put some onions, carrots, and potatoes, and call your family to the table and call it a day. Yes. And when you have that carcass, make some bone broth. You've started your journey. And if all you do for a year is once a week, roast a chicken and make bone broth, you're golden. That's and, right. And it was funny because she wrote back to me and she said, thank you for this permission. And I said, you don't need permission from anybody. You do what works in your life. That's yeah. exactly what my mother did. That's what I was taught. And if all you can do is make a sandwich bread with yeast and all-purpose flour from the grocery store, you're still light years ahead of buying the sandwich bread. That's that's right. So tell me, you can get this book everywhere, The Modern Pioneer Cookbook, right? Yes, yes, you can. I have a link on my website that goes to a page where people can order it. And it is available in other countries as well. And it's available at all the major retailers like Amazon, Barnes, Target, Walmart. Yeah. And it's also carried in most of those stores. It's in Barnes. And I just got to notice that Target will be having the actual book in their stores, not oh, just wonderful. Yeah. And Books A Million, you know, whatever bookstore is near you, it's probably on their shelves as well as available online. And tell us, tell us your, the address to your website and your YouTube channel. They're, they're very easy on YouTube. It's just Mary's Nest. And my uh, website is marysnest.com. So I make it easy for folks. <laughs> so everybody needs to go and watch some of these videos, read what's on Mary's Nest and read this book and you will feel liberated and excited to get started at the same time. So thanks so much for being with us today, Mary. It's been really, really fun talking to you. Oh, it's been such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.